Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. Father, thank you so much for today, Lord. Thank you for your precious holy word. Uh, Father, I thank you that uh, for the, the great truth we had on uh, the Lord's Supper and then the truth from the offering. I thank you for the truth that came out through song. And so, Father, as we move forward, thank you, Father, for this truth, Father, and I thank you that you help me and assist me to get this out in a clear way so it can be understood in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> I want to just speak a little bit today about choices, choices. And uh, before we actually look, let's, let's just take a little side journey and talk about some misunderstandings about choices. And uh, it's important that we're not confused about, like, what is our part and what is God's part when it comes to choices? And, and everyone that would think that God makes all of our choices, I think it would be good to get into the Bible and see what it says because God doesn't make all of our choices. There's some choices he makes. I'll give you an example. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Well, the gifts and callings of God, that's very obvious that gifts and callings come from him. That's something he chooses. But then even though he chooses it, we have to still accept it and make a choice to receive it. So that is even why I'm standing here today. It was never an intention for me to stand in Australia behind a pulpit as a pastor when I was just a young guy going to discotheques. But he, I got saved and he, one step led to another and here I am in Australia, uh, a citizen and here and, and loving it, you know, uh, but that's, that was him, so he made those choices. Uh, we looked at it before here. That there's a scripture in the book of Acts, and I don't want to take time on it, but we've taught it before, where actually God chooses the, the, the place we're born, the time and the place we're born. That's something that God does. And so I said it a while back that, you know, because God chooses where people are born, and when they're born, I'm thankful I'm in this time. But then when you come, you know, when you jump, continents we've lived on four continents we haven't taken any one of those moves lightly because if god chose where the time and the place i was born well to me that was important but he surely led us to where we were and so we prayed that out and we we have lived in other places uh but let's just say this real simply we could say that god presents choices to us but we have a free will to make those choices. That's real simple. Let's look at scripture and see something here. Look at 2 Chronicles 29 and verse 11. It says, my sons, do not be negligent for the Lord has chosen you to stand in his presence, to minister to him and to be ministers and make offerings to him. Wonderful calling, the gifts and callings of God, but very interesting that it says, do not be negligent. The Lord has chosen you. So God himself in his word is saying, I can choose you, but you can still be negligent. So we're not robots, you know, and I, I know some people I've talked to, they think that God is doing everything, and if God wants them to do something, he's going to make them do it, but I don't really see that in scripture. Those that believe that, they're my brothers and sisters, and I, get, I can get along with them and not agree, 
and I don't want to I'm, I'm, I don't want to be critical or anything like that I want to be a person in the body of Christ that's for unity but what I see in the scripture is God can choose you but you can resist him and be negligent it's right there so here's something we could say there is a balance concerning God choosing us and us not being negligent in our response back to God so just talking about choices today we have choices to make then look at Joshua 24 in verse 15 that says and if it is evil in your eye to serve the Lord choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or of, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell but as for me and my house we will serve the Lord so that's Joshua but isn't it interesting that the, these people saw signs and wonders and miracles and Joshua was telling these people if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord I mean that's they were so deceived that they they were almost confusing that serving the one and only true God the creator of the universe almighty powerful he's having to challenge them and, and encourage them okay but he said as for me and my house we're going to serve the Lord. And then in Joshua, he did this challenge, and then you move down to 22, and it says, then Joshua said to the people, they made their choice, you are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen the Lord. They made the right choice to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. So you see there that uh, God did not force them to make that decision, and he won't force us to make any of those kind of decisions. Okay. He presented them with a choice, and then Joshua was the first one that chose God, and he said, and also my house, and then they followed, and they chose God. And just a little side thought, um, when leaders of families and leaders put God first and choose God, there's a leader always has a follower, and a lot of times the followers will follow the leader, so anybody that's a leader, when you put God first place and choose him, it's going to have a rippling effect. Praise God, and more people will follow him. Okay, so just real simple, you know, choose him, you know, when it comes to choices, obey him, obey his word, and God doesn't make us do any of those things. Now here's, here's some thoughts here. The thing that affects our choices the most is our beliefs. Some people call it a belief system. We make choices off of our beliefs. Now, it's really true, that, and if there's anyone sitting here that hasn't done this, you could be the second coming, you could be the second Jesus. Because we make choices off of our beliefs, but I would have to say that everyone that isn't Jesus who was perfect probably made a wrong choice hastily. Because when you make choices hastily, they can be wrong. And it wasn't based off of a belief. It wasn't what you believed. It was just hasty. Sometimes people get put in a situation and they get into the mental realm. They're not in the spirit or their flesh takes over and they make a decision out of the flesh or out of the mind. It was hasty. It was a mistake. Wonderful thing is God forgives us of those things so we can make those. But generally speaking, and most of the time, people will make most of their decisions off of what they believe. 
their belief system has a lot to do with it. Okay, so let's uh, just talk about some things like that uh, and bring this in today. So I'm going to tie a few things together. Uh, I want to talk about worldview. What, what, what is wor- worldview? So here's a definition of worldview. A view of the world, especially from a specific standpoint. A particular philosophy of life or concept of the world. Uh, here's one more. A worldview is a collection of attitudes, values, stories, and expectations about the word around us which inform our every thought and action. Worldview is expressed in ethics, religion, philosophy, scientific beliefs, and so on. So as soon as somebody becomes a Christian, there should be a change. Some things are immediate when it comes to your worldview, but then as we grow in knowledge and understanding, our worldview will continually change. So here's a few picks to help us even look at this one. So this is, out of, uh, this is a Christian uh, ministry here, and they put this together, biblical worldview, what do I believe? So you see values, what are my priorities? Then you see behavior, what are the choices I make? Then you see culture shaping, what impact am I having on the culture around me? And then you see reflect and adjust, are my biblical worldview, my values, and my behaviors aligned? So that came from a Christian ministry. Look, then here's another thing, just in case, you know, if you get any more interest, there's actually a worldview study Bible. So this is probably designed to help people, you know, it probably has all the different things in there to help people understand what is a Christian worldview. And then one last thing, uh, this is another, uh, you know, you can find all kind of things like this, but I picked out the ones that are more Christian because there's like, every religion has a, a worldview. And so these are the ones that would be relevant to us. So what is real worldview? What is real? Beliefs, what is true? Values, what is good? Behavior, what do we do? And so, you know, the Bible has answers for all that, and that's our beliefs are formed from God's word, and then out of our beliefs, we make choices. Okay? So with that said, I just, here's a real simple statement. Our beliefs form our worldview and determine our choices. Now I want to just give you three scriptures or it's it's the same verse in three translations and i want you to see what the bible says about this so ephesians 2 1 that won't be on the screen i'm just going to read it and although you were dead in your offenses and sins but then the next verse it says in which you formerly lived or according to this world's present path according to the ruler of the domain of the air that is the devil it's talking about and evil spirits the ruler of the spirit that is now energizing the sons of disobedience who are the ones that would not be saved, that do not know the Lord. Then look at it. This is the Passion Translation. It says, It wasn't that long ago that you lived in the religion, customs, and values of this world, obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. And then one last one in the Bible in basic English, it says, in which you were living in the past, look at after the ways of this present world, doing the pleasure of the Lord, of the power of the air, the spirit who is now working in those 
look at this, who go against the purpose of God. So we're living in this world, but just notice all those things. So we could say this if we sum up the terminology used in those three different translations. God, God's word makes a clear distinction of our former life before we got, became in Christ, born again. But then there's also, look at the terminology he uses, the world's path, the religion, customs, and values of the world. The ways of this present world, notice how he described all that. So there is a worldview outside of Christianity. And so the Bible calls that worldview, you know, who, who's behind it? Well, it says the dark ruler of the earthly realm. So th there's that, that's when we walk out of the doors of church and who's ever watching online, if you're at home and you walk outside your house, you know, you run into people that are influenced and have a different worldview than you do, okay? And it's against the plans and purposes of God. So we're living in this world and we have a mission to do. And, uh, you, know, we, we you know, the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. Whether anyone wants to realize it or not, there's a spiritual war warfare going on out there and we're a part of it, you know, so we need to stay awake, and that's why we're looking at these things. Look at this, 1 Peter 1.14. It says, and since you delight in obedience, do not shape your lives by the cravings which used to dominate you in the time of your ignorance. So say this with me. I'm born again. I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm... Uh, I'm the righteousness of God. So that's, this is not talking about us, but notice before I, before I was a Christian, it said that that time, it was, I was in a time of ignorance. <laughs> that's what the Bible says, you know, but then I came into Christ, and he began to educate me, and my worldview has changed greatly. Here's the same verse in the English Standard Version. It says, as obedient children do not be conformed, look at this, to the passions of your former ignorance. So before Christ, the Bible says that we, it was like a former ignorance, but that former ignorance had, we all had different passions. Okay, so like I had a passion, my brothers had different passions. I had a brother that liked to rob houses. Another brother was in a gang and he sold drugs. I was the discotheque guy. I just, I wanted to go to the discotheque, you know? We all were different, but they were passions. So it says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. When I, when I became a Christian, I, I lost the desire to go to the discotheque, and, you know, I would drink there and, you know, go. I lost that when I became a Christian. I didn't want to go anymore. It, it left. You know, um, so God says before we were saved, it was a time in ignorance, but if you're a Christian, you're no longer in that time. You're in a time of revelation, in Christ's revelation. So we could say this, our former ignorance produced our worldview before we were in Christ. That's how our worldview was, you know. Uh, then look at this scripture, 1 John 4, 4, it says, but you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won the victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. And then look at this. Those people belong to the world, 
So they speak from the world's viewpoint, worldview, you see that? And the world listens to them. So we like to say, you know, this birds of a feather flock together, you know, so we're flocking together. We're all here this morning flocking together around <laughs> Jesus Christ, our Savior, the Holy Spirit, God's Word. We're flocking together. But there's other flockings, you know, together. And they speak their own language, and they listen to one another. And if we don't feed on what God says, and we feed on that, there could come times that we think they're right and we're wrong. It's important to know who we are, and it's important to be really established in God's Word and have that Christian worldview, okay? Here's another uh, thing. It says, our new worldview is produced by in-Christ realities and Bible truth. Real simple. So we're living in this uh, environment now that hurting someone's feelings, uh, it's really strong right now, where people get hurt easily. Now, the Bible tells us Christians, you know, and I trust this doesn't hurt you, <laughs> or be a, but the Bible says, take no offense, okay? So we're told not to take offense. So really, as a Christian, we should train ourselves to never say, I'm offended, because the Bible says, take no offense. I'm just saying what the Bible says, but you know, God's word does confront. God's word can offend, but it tells us to forgive and take no offense. But out there, people are really hurt easily over many things, okay? So that's the environment we're in. So when somebody says, this is what God says, it can hurt people by just saying what God says. That said, I think we all should exercise, well, we should ask the Lord, give me wisdom to talk to my friends, my family, because, you know, if you make a real fast move and just blurt out and you're angry and says, that's a sin, God said this, well, you, you're going to lose your influence with that person. If you've done that, my recommendation is to do a lot of loving and do some special things or try to help mend your relationship and then ask the Lord to help you navigate to help your loved ones and family come where you can actually give them truth, but not where you just tear into them. So I'm not advocating that. But look what it says here. When somebody that's in Christ or a Christian speaks up and then somebody out there says, I'm offended or that's wrong. In Isaiah 5 and verse 20, it says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Now, God knows all these things, and he knows he knew what environment we would be living in today. He, he, knows, he's, he knows the future perfectly, okay? So we can say it's very important and very profitable for us to stay strong. And what does it say? Be as a wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. So we can have that wisdom to be able to navigate and put truth in, but we can be harmless as a dove, okay? We, Christians need not to be violent, okay? So with all this said, uh, I noticed, uh, I was born a long time ago in another country, grew up in a much different time period and environment, and here I am now in this country. Many years have passed, and I've noticed that there have been cultural changes, things that have been changing. So I put, like I, I have a few that I even put my own titles to, 
This is like something that I just saw. So I'm, I'm gonna just say that these two things that I see that have developed is the my choice generation, and I call the other one the service generation. I, but I, I found out when I was doing the notes I don't have time except to do one. So I'm gonna talk about what I've seen develop over the years, and I'm calling it the my choice generation. Okay, so what is that? And when I was thinking about it, the Lord gave it to me, this came into my spirit. It's the elevation of individuals making their choices okay in every circumstance. It grants them permission to choose whatever makes them feel good, feel happy, get the most out of life for themselves. So example, a movie star said this, um, I'll never regret the abortions I had. It enabled me to keep my shapely figure and continue to work and make my millions of dollars. I want to take a little side journey here and I want to say, you know, sometimes people are under great pressure. If you ever gave in to that and you had an abortion, if you went to God and said, Lord, I, I, I want forgiveness, please forgive me. The Lord forgave you. And when he forgives, he forgets. So I want to encourage you. He forgot it. You need to forget it. And do not allow any guilt into your life because he cleanses and he forgives. Okay? So I wanted to say that. And I wanted to make that clear. But I feel like as a pastor that I need to cover these things. So I'm, I'm not going to back off from covering the truth. God forgave you if you ever did that. And you need not carry any guilt. Okay? So that said, this movie star said that, okay? So, um, it, so her attitude was, it's my choice. And she had the right to make that choice. No one, including God or his word, had any right to infringe on my choice. A saying is out there now, in case you haven't been following, there's this little phrase, my body, my choice. It's a brand new saying. So that wasn't... When I was a young guy growing up, there wasn't that phrase. Um, you know, even Arnold Schwarzenegger didn't say, my body, my choice. That's, that's a terrible Arnold. <laughs> I used to be able to do it. I've lost it, okay? But, you, you know, this whole my body, my choice thing. So the person's choice is paramount. It gives them permission to take another, one, another life, Okay? So here's God's world. Now we're talking about worldview and, and getting equipped to make choices. So look at what God says, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. It says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Look, you are not your own. That's the worldview from God. Look at this next verse. For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Okay, so that's God's viewpoint. That, that's why we're talking about worldview is important. And when you come into Christ, your worldview will greatly change. All right? So the worldview on the my body, my choice, that's actually in direct opposition to what God says. Here's another thing that happened. A bill was passed that violated the sanctity of life. It, it happens here and it happens abroad. So there was this, uh, I was looking at a clip from a news thing, and there's a politician standing there announcing the bill was signed into legislation. The bill permitted abortion up until the final trimester, right before birth, okay? 
the politician was Catholic, you know, had an Italian name, and I grew up Catholic, and so I understand the Catholics have always been pro-life and not for abortion. And there's even, like, in the States, there's one politician, they refused to give him communion because of his stand on abortion. The Catholic Church took a stand and said, we will not serve you communion because of your stand on this, okay? So, but this lady's standing up, and she had ashes on her forehead because it was right near Easter time, and she went to church on Wednesday morning and got ashes for Ash Wednesday. We used to do that. And um, so she has that on her forehead, and then she stood behind the pulpit later in the day with those ashes, and she was so gleeful, with glee and joy. She said, we won! And it was about the bill passing, and everyone listened, clapped hands. So we just read that scripture, and what's it say? That's calling evil good. That's what that was, calling evil good. So when the other side commented then, because, you know, there's always the, the both sides in politics. When the other side commented, they were accused of being divisive, that they were causing division and dividing because they just commented because they have the Christian worldview. You understand that this is what we're in. We have to be strong enough to stay strong in it, and we don't need to hate as Christians. We still need to walk in love. It's troubling to see. You know, if there's one thing that's difficult for me, because babies can't protect themselves. Grown-ups can protect themselves. So at the top of my list, personally, because, you know, at the end of this month, we're going to be voting. The top of my list, and this is a... This is a, a deal breaker. If somebody is for abortion, I don't care if their politics get me, makes me a millionaire. I couldn't face God if I voted for them if they kill innocent babies that can't protect themselves. You know, I would rather go without and vote for the one that's pro-life. Okay? And you know what? You can actually find out how do these people that are running for office if they've already been in politics, you can find out by going somewhere. Some, I, I don't know where, but like me, I know Natalie might know this. So their wrote, voting record at Parliament, where do you find that at? Do you know? But, but these ones that have been in, they have voting records. And you can find out what have they done in the past. And if they voted for that, you think we, we need, we might have voted for them before, but we need to change. And then you need to tell your friends and relatives, hey, this person is for killing babies that can't protect themselves. And so maybe the other person has, maybe that person can get you more money, but, but you know what? Go with the other person. I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just having to be honest here. Now look at this scripture, 2 Timothy 3.1. It says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be difficult times. And then look at this. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. The movie star, what, what was she? I was able to make millions of dollars because I kept my shape and I got rid of my babies. You know, what is that? I love myself and I love money. And I did this so I could become more wealthy. Proud and boastful the way she did that. Scoffing at God. You know, you see what I'm saying? It's, there's that worldview out there. 
So this should be a deal breaker at the voting booth. And it's really mind-boggling sometimes because, I, I mean, as Christians, we need to study. You just don't go and say, well, I belong to this party, so boom, 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 I've just voted for my party. Well, what's the people in the party? What's, what, are they, what, is their, what are their policies? What do they do? Okay? All right, so um, the Lord gave this to me real simple. I, you can call it the three Ps, but he, you know, we're talking about choices. We all have these choices. But he gave me these, he gave me policy, personality, and party. Really simple. And so party, personality, and policy. Now, here's three quotes I'm going to give you. Then I'm going to go back to saying a few things about the policy, personality, and party. But here's a guy named David Clausen, and here's what he says. Politics, properly understood, is about how groups of humans organize their affairs. Real simple. That's what it is, okay? We shouldn't be afraid of it as Christians. And then here's another one. Christians are stewards of the ballot box, just like we are stewards of everything else God has given us. Okay, so we, we don't cower in fear when it comes time to do this, but we stand up because it can save lives. Okay, and then here's one last one, and this is putting me, you know, this is calling me out in a sense, but I decided to put this on. The same guy says pastors should help educate and equip their members to biblically, that to think biblically about political issues, candidates, and party platforms. And so I accept that, and I'm doing that, okay? So here's the policy, personality, and uh, what was the other one? Uh, yeah, party policy. Yeah, I keep leaving that out. So out of those three, what is the most important thing? I heard it, policy. It's policy. So, you know, there can be a very pleasant personality. There can be a very good-looking person, like good-looking man with beautiful face and hair, good-looking woman with beautiful hairdo, does her makeup really well, you know, designer clothes, you know, making big promises, but their policy is that they kill babies. I know that's strong. What do you do? You find somebody that has different policy. doesn't matter how they look. There, there can be a very not person that doesn't look good, okay? They're not good looking. They don't even dress that great. They don't have great clothes. And their personality can be icky, like offensive. But their policy is they're going to protect the babies, the unborn ones. That's the person that should get the vote. It's not based on party or personality. It's based on policy. Okay, so we're just getting ready here because the election's coming up, and these things are important. Okay? Now I want to give you an example how the Bible just, our, you know, our worldview, e even in areas that's surprising how our worldview can be affected, but let's, let's take, like, the, you know, when you think about things that are important when somebody's doing, like, pro-life should be at the top of our list, but there's marriage, sexuality, there's poverty and race, and there's money and industry, and there's education, you know, and, and you know, even for education, you see these guys, they make the promises, better schools. Well, their idea of a better school might be in total opposition of what God thinks a good school is. They're teaching garbage, you know, Marxist, communist, 
anti-God garbage to kids and they're saying better schools. That's, your, that's because that's who you are and you're saying it's better because you're slipping it in there because you know the roots of Australia didn't have that in there in the early days. They're trying to put it in now. They turn people, they turn children against their own country. Okay? I know I'm being a little bit strong today, but hey, if you knew me before I was saved, you would know this is mild. <laughs> okay. So we're up in Cairns, and uh, I went to this health food store, really cool. So I, you know, like I didn't know, it was really like they have groceries, and it was like it wasn't a franchise. And so I'm at the counter, and the girl waiting on me, I, I got something, you know, Patsy was at next door at a furniture store. <laughs> that was like kind of boring for me, but I like health food stores. <laughs> so I took a walk around the health food store, and when the girl's checking me out, I go, would it be proper to say guten Morgen? Because I, I noticed her accent. She goes, yes, I'm from Germany. And I said, and then I thought I would say something encouraging to her, which it wasn't. I said, hey, do you know that the number one ethnic group from Europe and America was German, and then the second one was Irish, and then the third was Italian? I said, but the Germans had a big part to play in building America. And she goes, yeah, they, all three of those groups killed the Indians. And I... So, I said, that happened over 200 years ago, and the Europeans were conquerors. I didn't do it, you didn't do it, you should, because she got teary-eyed. I said, you should not be carrying guilt for something somebody did 200 years ago. And I said, the Europeans have changed. I said, we can learn from history, but those things need to be let go of because there, there has been change, and we learn from that, and it's not like that any longer. Well, she got so drilled in school that she had a hard time accepting what I told her. I, I, my heart went out to her, and I really wanted to help her. So when I say, when people say better schools, what do they mean by that? What do they mean by that? Okay, find out. Now, here's a little example with poverty. Proverbs 10.4, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. And then look at this one, 1917. It says, he that hath pity on the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and that which he has given, will, will he repay him again? Okay, so that almost seems like there's a contrast, because one of them says a slack hand laziness, in other words, will bring poverty, but then the other one says have pity on the poor. So if somebody's poor, are we to have pity on them if they're lazy? And see, you can study this out, but you'll see that there's two different things in the Bible. There's a poor, there's poverty, and there's laziness. And you'll find out that God says about poverty, have pity on them, and the church out of anyone should have pity on the poor. Who are the poor? They're not the lazy. They're the ones that have a physical or a mental illness that they're not able to work. They can't take care of themselves. God says to have pity on them and help them. But God never says to do that with somebody that's lazy. And so when some, you go to vote, you know, what is a policy? Is there policies that give free handouts to people that don't want to get out of bed? That's, see, the worldview of a Christian. And so there's, there's people that, and sometimes, I'm just being honest, the politicians will make policies up to get votes, and they'll give free things out to people that aren't willing to work. And that's, so when you get the Bible, you know, the view of the Bible and God, he says, get up. 
Go study, apply yourself, get a job, and you'll prosper. That's what God says. He never even talks about your race or anything. He just talks about your, your actions, your beliefs and your actions, okay? Everyone has a chance if they do that. You see what I'm saying? So these are just things. I'm just giving you an example, and, and we're running out of time. So I think I'm just going to uh, really quickly close. I, I was going to do a few more things, but I, I don't have time to do it today. It always happens. You know, you, you preach this in the 8.30. It expands quickly. <laughs> um, okay, so here's just two things to close up on. Uh, choice, like th this is about choices for us. So choice one, make him our life. So if we make him our life, Look at the scripture. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So I just want to do this like illustration, like who is your life? So if you make any other person your life, if I do that, any person is my life other than Christ, or if I make anything my life other than Christ, so people and things, well, if you make a person your life, eventually it's going to hurt that person, but it will then eventually hurt you when you put somebody else above Christ. So I like to just say it this way, and it might sound cold at first, but follow me on it. Patsy isn't my life, but she, I'm also not her life. We've never said those words because Jesus is her life and Jesus is my life. You see what I'm saying? So it might sound a little cold. Now my daughter's who immediately I found my one over there where she's at. I love her, and I love my daughter Lily so much. I would die for them. And all that I love, I just love to have them, one on each arm, squeezing them. I love them. But we've never told them, you're my life. Now, I've been tempted to because that's how much you love them. You see what I'm saying? But the, the children are not. He's our life. Okay? So, so adding to that, my career isn't my life. A famous musician isn't my life, and I love music, but I'm not going to make anyone my life. A famous singer isn't my life. A famous movie star isn't my life. A famous TV show or movie is not my life. A famous athlete isn't my life. You know, none of those, but Jesus is my life. Okay, and so here's the thing. Because he's my life, and Patsy made him her life, by doing that and making him number one, it doesn't mean we've been perfect with our marriage. We've had to work things out. But it's amazing when each person makes him their life and not each other. It's easier to work things out. Okay? And so that's been a, a big help. But then also, it's, we've been able to set an example with our daughters because they see that he's our life. It sets an example for them to want to make him their life. Okay? And not something else okay and then one last thing for today uh, and that's this is choice two: study and research look at everything through the word of god and by doing those things we won't be deceived father i just thank you so much for your word today i thank you for each person here and each person watching online lord i thank you that uh, your word what was said today father that, that you you would cause that to be revelation knowledge and it would help people uh, pass today into Mondays and through Fridays and every day after, Father. We just trust you and thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.
If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.